Well, this weekend, I just once again want to thank all of our volunteers and all of their hard work, whether they're on stage or in the background, helping us make Thrive Leadership Conference possible. Thank you for all your hard work planning uh, this conference. In fact, one person that we want to recognize is uh, Carissa. We want to thank Carissa for all of her hard work. This morning. I don't know if she's even here. Oh, there she is in the back in the corner there. And she's been, you know, uh, uh, you know just doing a great job making our conference possible. So we're very, very thankful for her, very thankful for everyone on this team that's made it possible. This weekend would not be possible without uh, our very, very special guests from Washington uh, State in Tacoma, City Central Church. Again, an amazing church in the Tacoma uh, region of Washington, uh, just across the border from us. And uh, Pastor Chris Je and Jenna, uh, they have been uh, leading this vibrant church community in Tacoma, Washington. It's always a joy whenever uh, Pastor Charlene and I get to visit them and it is always an even greater joy when they come here to visit us and uh, we are so blessed to have them here along with their team if you believe it say amen Amen, amen. Uh, and so we're going to get a chance to uh, thank them one more time later on today, but I'm just going to get right into it. This is the final session of Thrive Leadership Conference. Turn your behind, I'm going to say, you are born to be a leader. You are born to be a leader. The fact is this, whether you think of yourself as a leader or not, the fact is God made you to be a leader. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. Everyone say influence. And so it's whether you find yourself in your school, in your workplace, in your home, in your church, in your city, God made you to be someone with influence. He made you to be a leader. And over the past three days, we've been learning about what is the heart of a leader. Some powerful, powerful times of teaching. Uh, and uh, both Pastor Chris and Pastor Jenna have just delivered some powerful messages to us this, mor this morning, these past couple of days. If you believe that, say amen. Amen, amen. And I'm going to uh, right now hand the time off to Pastor Chris for the final message of Thrive Leadership Conference. As we do that, can we also at the same time thank Pastor Chris and Jenna for all of their hard work blessing us this past weekend. Seven powerful, fresh messages just for us. We are so incredibly blessed to have them here. So one big final thank you to them and their team for being here right now. Let's give them some praise and give them some thanks. Let's give God some praise and some thanks. Praise God. Pastor Chris, why don't you take it away? Amen. Let's finish strong. Jesus, we love you and so thankful for your love over our lives. Thanks for calling us out. Thank you for, for the, all the ways that you equip us and are training us, Lord. You know um, that we can finish this uh, only with your power. We can only finish this only with your might. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would now take us... Um, to the finishing line. Take us to the line, Lord, that no matter what our capacity is, if we are filled to the fullest measure right now or we still have room, expand our wineskin of our ability to receive, that we would hear the word of the Lord from a place of faith and expectation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's give it up for Pastor JB, Pastor Charlene. You have amazing pastors here, great leadership team. You amen me all day long, all day long, right? You do. You have great leaders. And um, while I get to travel in some spheres, I get to meet a lot of men and women of God, there is something very special about your pastors that we just really love, you know? And when you uh, come from the outside and you come into a new church community, um, you can tell a lot by the leadership just by um, walking into the building. And the very first day that we met them was in Tacoma, 
And then we got to come and do the All Church Retreat with you last year. And uh, it, it felt like the Holy Spirit uh, was just breathing life like a wind at the back that um, I could come in and preach anything and God was going to bless it. I mean, it was just, and, and I want to tell you that that's not all, all that normal. And it shows uh, you have fantastic leadership with wonderful integrity, wonderful character. And it shows in you too, you know, it shows in you too, because um, um, a church is only as healthy as the leadership is, and you are healthy, you're a healthy church, and the way we have been um, debriefing as a team, you know, we'll just sit around the breakfast table and just sing your praises, we'll just, you know, can you believe this person, and God doing that in this life, and, and uh, y- y- you know, we just really feel honored to be with you, right, don't we? Um, and so we're thankful to be with you. We're going to finish strong today, okay? So how many of you have been here all weekend? Every session, raise your hand, okay? There's an extra place in heaven for you. Glory, hallelujah. I actually don't believe that, but in the name of Jesus, you're blessed, okay? Uh, you sounded good, yeah. And if this is your first session, I want to just um, acknowledge you, and we're really glad you're here don't worry, you're not behind. This message is going to be very pertinent for you, no matter uh, if you have the backdrop of the previous six sessions. I started the first session, and I put a shameless plug in here, and I said, I have never taught this before. Okay, You are my guinea pigs. Um, this is a collection of about four years of the Lord teaching me um, some pretty hard lessons, you know, teaching me um, just real time, not theory, not, um, oh, this would be a great idea, but more bringing me through the fire and fashioning some very core principles of leadership in my heart. And this, because it's the seventh, does not mean it's any less valuable than the previous six sessions. And in fact, if it belongs anywhere, it probably belongs a little tick above that we're going, we're going to finish strong, not, not coming through the finish line just on empty. But my, my prayer is it proves to be like a diving board and a launching pad into a new place. If you are here day one, the picture that I have been seeing over and over for the previous weeks as I've been praying for the leadership time, leadership conference here, is one of a catapult that we as Thrive Church are getting into a catapult. And this weekend, the Lord was ratcheting us back. And come, there's coming a time very shortly here, I believe in the next few days, if it's not today, that he's going to launch you into a new hour and a new day as a church community. So much is contingent upon where we are going today. If we understand this topic and choose to live this topic, it's not okay to just understand it at a, at a knowledge level, but if we choose to start even taking baby steps further into this category, we're going to see the anointing of God land on Thrive Church in ways that you've never seen before. How can I say that? It's not a statement of faith alone. It is actually a biblical fact where we're going this morning. What I want to talk to you about this afternoon is unity and agreement. I want to talk to you about the very nature of unity and agreement. As we're sitting here worshiping, I'm reminded of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One of the things that is so amazing about the Godhead is the depth of their unity and agreement one with another. We serve one God and one God only, but they Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they are so in agreement that you can't seem to parse them apart, even though they each have their own function in the Godhead. 
we are created by God to be in His image. And if we're going to be in His image, then that means a manifestation of the Godhead in our midst. And what that means is giving ourselves to living a life of unity and agreement with the Lord and one another. What we've been saying is the whole premise of this, this, this conference has been you are God's plan to transform the world. He has given you, the, you and me, the responsibility and the opportunity to be used by God if we so choose. This passage of Scripture is it's a, it's a Scripture that provokes me, it encourages me, it, it, it stirs me up, and every time I have read it since I was saved in 1998, I, 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 it never gets old to me. Because the promises that are attached to this passage of Scripture um, provoke me for more. Listen to what it says. And in fact, why don't we read this all together as a church? Ready, begin. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Do you see what we here declared is, is that unity commands a blessing from the Lord. Unity and agreement so causes the Lord to almost be reoriented completely in such a way that a, a blessing will always follow the depth and the degree of unity. You see, this is the place where we find great release of God's power. It commands the blessing, life forevermore. I remember listening to a preacher one time, and he went on to explain the amount of oil that they would use to anoint the head of the priests. And I can't remember the exact number, but I just know it was upwards of a couple gallons of oil that would just cover over the head and all over the body. Now, some of you, that just freaks you out because the idea of all being slippery just, just drives you crazy, okay? But it's the anointing of the Lord so much so that it's dripping and dripping off of Aaron's beard. The oil of the Lord is a representation of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is likened unto the, the one that brings the anointing oil. What this says here is when you and I are living in brotherly unity, being at a heart level of agreement, the Lord pours out special anointing on that community. How many of you know a lost person in Vancouver area, Richmond area? Someone that doesn't know Jesus? Do you, does anybody know someone that does not know Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. This is what I know, is they're not necessarily interested in what you have to say, minus the power of God. We need the power of God to see breakthrough, salvation, revival, renewal. We need an extra measure. We need the fullest outpouring of God's Spirit on the church in, this, in these latter days. And it is so much in partnership with the unity that we choose to manifest one to another. You see, there's this thing called the human divine cooperative, right? Meaning that God comes and has done it all, but there is the responsibility we have before the Lord 
to release and partner with his will to see his will come onto earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is a great example. God has all these plans that he wants to do, but we are the releasing agent of those plans as we pray those God, the Lord's will into existence. All of a sudden, heaven starts moving and heaven comes to earth. So it is with unity. We want to see the blessing of the Lord, but so much has to do with the unity that we choose to carry. Look at what Matthew 18 says. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is uh, the favorite passage of Scripture for any small prayer room that is just learning to start up. And there's only two of them in a room. There's one leading worship and the other one's praying. And they're just going to work and they're saying, hey, all we need is two. What they understand is agreement precedes outpouring. John 17, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you notice the unity there? Jesus is talking, Father, you are in me, and I'm in you, and they are in us. He's bringing us onto the same team together so that the world, this is all about the world, that the lost may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them. Okay, If you ever wonder if you have authority in Jesus, just memorize that scripture and realize the glory that he has given to me i've given to them that they may be one as we are one not two not three not four but a oneness in the spirit of god i in them and you and me that they may be perfectly one this is god's goal this is kind of a vision casting time this is a you want to you want to understand a vision of god he wants us to come together as one unit I and them and you and me, perfectly one, that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. When I read this passage of Scripture, I ask myself the question, I wonder how many people God is wanting to save, but it's the lack of unity that seems to be preventing the outpouring. Because this is what he says. He says where there's unity, there's, the world is going to recognize salvation is going to pour out. Because unity precedes outpouring. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Now, I love the early church, and I, I do believe that the early church um, the early church is the example for us of what our church is supposed to look like. And I've, I've looked at the early church, and I've come up with 20 characteristics in the early church. The reason why I want to show you these this morning is to help you um, maybe get some vision as to what are we unifying around. This is how the early church functioned. Number one, the people were desperate for God. Meaning, they weren't just saying, oh God, you can come along in my life. There was actually a genuine desperation, Lord, we need you. It's not a song. It's not Silas getting up here and leading us in a song of worship. But Lord, I just want you to know that I am desperate for you to pour out. I'm desperate for you to move. I'm desperate for, to see you save my, my family. I'm desperate for you to, to redeem that marriage situation. Number two, the characteristic of the early church is repentance was radical. Active turning from sin and demonstrated fruit, meaning repentance was not for just one, you know, one person now and again. It was a lifestyle. It was to be expected. It was, if, if someone found out they're living in sin, of course they're going to repent, and it's not going to be casual, but it's going to be something that they are zealous to repent and turn to God. Number three is salvation. Salvation accompanied the early church. It was a characteristic of the early church. Four, healing of the emotions and heart. 
It was, it was, it was an agreement. It, it was just a characteristic that followed the early church that wholeness was coming. There actually, when you study out some of the accounts, remember the, the woman that was um, bleeding for 10 years. The, it's interesting in the Greek that the word that is used that she was healed was, is actually one of the emotions and the mind as much as it is the body. It's therapeuo. It is a fullness that comes, right? I don't know about you, but we have mental illness everywhere in our city. And this is, this is one of the things that accompanied the early church that we're saying we want to agree around, we want to come and believe God, we want to see a fullness of salvation and healing pour out. Number five is physical healing. Number six, an acute awareness of God's holiness, meaning there was a fear of the Lord that accompanied um, the, the early church, meaning there was, there was this awe and wonder of God. You know, I, I found myself at, at, at our church, the Lord wrestled me down about a year ago and, and convinced me um, a little bit reluctantly on my behalf to do a series on the fear of the Lord. And I just said, Lord, the fear of the Lord, man, that is, a, that is that's heavy, Lord, that's, that's, that, that's I don't know, and, and I was reluctant, and he said, no, I want you to dig into the Word, and you know, I found myself digging into the Word, and I found so many promises of the Lord that are associated or granted to the one that lives in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I need to testify. The early church had this need to declare and testify the good news. There was a sense of urgency. You know, there's a difference between anxiety and urgency. Urgency is birthed in heaven, and it's an, oh, God, you're coming. Oh, God, our time is, is near. It, it's, it's throughout the epistles that, 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 that tell us, live in light of, of eternity. Live in light, acknowledging that today may be your last day. That's urgency, and it's, it's unction from heaven. Anxiety is, is birthed in fear in the flesh, and it's just trying to make something happen. But true, authentic urgency shows up in travail shows up in intercession, it shows up and it says, oh God, if you don't move, we need to see you come. Number nine is the fear of the Lord. Number ten, God-centered versus man-centered priorities, meaning the early church, they unified around God-centered. What you want is what you get. This is not about our ideas. This is not about a man-created plan. This is about you. You breathe and we will follow you. Number 11, great authority upon God's teachers and ministers. 12, hearts softened by God's presence and the outpouring of gifts. As a result, there was, there was a soft-heartedness. There was, you know, on, on day one, we, we talked about the heart that God is going to bless. The, the very heart of Jesus, of leaders, is one that is soft. One, one that is, is, is important to understand the softness or how hard our heart is to unify around a common bond of soft-heartedness. Constant prayer, number 13, saw prayer as the difference between life and death. 14, a strong dependence on the leading of God's Spirit. 15, strong focus of equipping, descending out from missions. 16, acute awareness and obedience of God's voice. 17, spirit of worship. 18, presence of the Holy Spirit carried out of the church. Um, 19, there was a massive crowds to minister to. And 20, confidence in speech, evangelism, exhortation through the power of Christ. You see, these were the characteristics that marked the early church. It's vision casting for us to say this is what 
we want our church to be about. Let's talk a little bit about uh, agreement a little bit more deeply. Number one is this. Unity appears when independence shifts to interdependence. Unity is contingent upon a community that realizes they're only a part of the puzzle. Now, you can see this graphic up here. An orchestra. Has anyone ever played in an orchestra before? Okay. Has anyone played in a band before? Has anyone ever played on a sports team before? Has anyone ever been on a team before? Okay, praise the Lord. You get the picture, right? I remember playing alto saxophone in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, and I just thought I was the coolest thing ever. Uh, the alto sax was the, the, cool, uh, uh, the, the cool instrument to play. And I remember early on that we started practicing for the upcoming concert that we were going to do. And I remember the band teacher um, consistently stopping in the middle of practice and would call out a section of clarinets or flutes or those percussionists. Man, they are a shifty lot. They just, they're always doing weird things, you know. Guy that has an anger problem over there on the timpani just going crazy like animal from the puppets, you know, uh, or the Muppets. You know, th this is, this is, and I remember him stopping all the time and I kind of got frustrated early on, but then I realized something. He knew that if all the individual parts were not playing according to the rest of the parts, it was going to sound broken, it was going to sound weird, and it was going to lose the entire power of it. But when you listen to a choir, for example, that are so in unity that when they open their mouths, you can be washed by the power of their music. You couldn't pick out one of their voices over another. It's irrelevant because the power of the music is just washing over you. There's something very holy about that. There's something about beautiful about that that's a bit of a taste of heaven. It should cast vision for us saying, I want to know my part to play in the greater picture and I don't need my voice to be heard. I just want to come in sync. I want to play my harp. I want to play my oboe. I want to, I, want to, I want to play my French horn. And as it comes together, it's a beautiful aroma to Jesus. And he looks at Thrive Church, and he goes, oh, they get it. Oh, they get it that it's not about being independent. It's not about coming to church and just filling a seat. It's actually about engaging together in a common vision and mission, united under Christ and all of a sudden, you know what happens is this. You as an individual person get blessed. And you come out of that choir, per se, and you look around and you're high-fiving each other, saying, that was amazing. When I was learning about unity and agreement, in a prayer time, the Lord showed this prayer team a picture of me catching a, a football in, in, the, in the end zone. This is American football, okay? Not real football. This is American football. And uh, I catch the, 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 the ball in the end zone, and I spike the ball, as every good American should do, just bam. And I turn around, and there's no one to high-five. And I'm all alone. And in this prayer time, the Lord was saying, is that what you want to be about? Do you want to be by yourself? Yeah, you score a touchdown, but who's there to celebrate with you? Because if you're out for your agenda and it's all about you, 
then you're going to be sadly mistaken and you're going to live a very lonely life. And then he showed the next picture of being on a team and I'm not catching the ball this time. Another person's catching the ball and I'm high five of them, giving them a good game. We call them a good game on the rear end, a good game right on the backside. And we're throwing a party. And the Lord simply posed the question, what do you want to be about? What do you want to be about? You want to be about you, yourself, and yourself? You're going to live a lonely, miserable life. But if you want to find your life in the midst of giving it away in community, you will live with a blessing of heaven, a touch of heaven, that you never would otherwise. Number two is this. Unity or understanding agreement more deeply. Everyone hears and obeys together. It's, this, is, this is an essential part and a necessary part of being a community that is unified. It's that we hear from the Lord and we do what he says. The only way the church can be unified is having our ears tuned to the master and saying, how you want us to live is how we will choose to live. That means being so grounded in the word of God that we are all in process, absolutely, no, 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 all in process, absolutely, and unto the point of being unified. But we have a common thread that we hear from the Lord and obey him. Nehemiah is a fantastic study, but this passage of scripture, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work of one hand and held his weapon in the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he was built. And the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said, the nobles and the officials, the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. And we are separated on the wall far from each other. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us, our God will fight for us. You see, each of us must be willing to take whatever role is required to build the wall. What was amazing about Nehemiah, though they were spread thin, they all had a job and a function. And if you can imagine, their, their eyes are all faced out and their backs are to each other, recognizing that my brother has my back over here, my other brother has my back here, the sister has my back here, and I'm building my section of wall, but we are all unified around the same goal, but we all must be committed to our section of the wall in order to see God's kingdom come in our area. Number three is this. True agreement means locking arms and giving no concession to the enemy. In the, the, uh, the movie, um, uh, it's not, the, what's that? The Gladiator. It, I don't highly recommend the movie, okay? There's a session, there's a time that uh, the gladiators are all in the, in the pen beforehand. And, um, and they're about to go out and face these massive, uh, you know, um, monsters and armies. And it, it's just, it, they all should be dead. But one of them um, rallies the rest, and he calls them together in the middle of the, the arena when they run out. And when this, when this chariot is coming that is supposed to wipe them all out, he starts screaming, Lock shields! Lock shields! How many of you have seen the movie? Okay, a few of us have. And all of these independent, renegade, rebellious, social outcasts like David's army 
come together and they lock their shields in this sphere. And he has a name for it. But they all lock together and they all unify together. And that chariot, as it comes to destroy them, all of a sudden finds himself getting flipped over and they get defeated. They won because they unified together. If one of them would have been left out, they would have been destroyed. We conceded to the enemy when we want unity on our terms. When we want unity on our terms, I want people to do it the way I do. Uh, I, want, I, want it to, I want to see it the way I want to see it versus what is God saying, and we lock our shields around what he says. Number four is this. True agreement means everyone has the heart of a shepherd, not just a few. Meaning everyone's a pastor. Meaning everyone's loving one another. You see, Pastor JB and Charlene, they're wonderful shepherds, but they're only two people. And they're only, they only have so much um, ability to shepherd everyone. You, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a shepherd. You're one that is created by God to love one another. If you today chose to agree, I am an under-shepherd of the Most High God, I promise you that you would look at each other a little bit differently. Someone struggling, and you don't wait for the anointed and appointed person to love on them. You grab them by, by the arm and saying, hey, brother, let's go get a coffee. I just want to listen to you for an hour. Or maybe, hey, brother, I just want to lay hands on you. I want to, I want to pray for you. you. You start to treat people with the under-shepherd's heart. You see a need, and you don't wait for somebody else to meet it. You actually go to meet and fulfill that need. You see, moving together, we guard against striving. Striving says, look what I have done, right? When we move together, it's irregardless. I don't need attention. I don't need acclaims. I don't need rewards. I just want to disappear right into the midst of it, and I just want to play my instrument and watch God's Spirit come. Pursue sanctification, the process by which God changes us and draws us into greater intimacy with Him. Meaning simply, if we want to be in agreement, we must recognize that there are things in our flesh nature that, that hate interdependence. In the flesh nature, if you look at the fruits of the Spirit versus the fruits of the flesh, the fruits of the flesh, according to Galatians 5, are ones that come out of the flesh nature. And, and, and a great way to say it is they're all selfish and they're all independent. And, and if, we, if we choose to allow our lives to be run by the flesh, we will live very lonely lives. But when we understand I have, not been, I have been given a far superior inheritance from Jesus and then I start living by the Spirit of God, I will leave independence more and more and run into interdependence more and more. Give me an amen. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We're finishing strong. You finish strong? I got 10 more minutes, and I'm going out with a blaze of glory. Here we go. You ready? Six characteristics of unity. I'm going to hit these fast, and then we're going to pray. Motivated to honor God. Here's what I want you to consider, that you're motivated to honor God. If you want to find six things to rally around, number one is this. Be motivated be motivated to honor God. I want God to receive everything. Hebrews 11:6. and without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that, that he exists and he rewards those who seek him, right? Be motivated that he would receive the, the, all the honor and glory out of Thrive Church in your individual life. Number two is this, a shared purpose and vision, meaning what James 3 says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and meekness of wisdom, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, then there will be disorder of every evil, every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for to, by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You see, what we see here is to have a shared vision and a shared purpose is to recognize we will come and rally underneath that together as a unit. Number three is this, death to personal ambition. We talked a little bit about this a few sessions ago. But you see in James 4, we looked at verse 1, it's death to personal ambition, meaning I am surrendering my personal ambition in what I want, when I want, how I want, making that happen and realizing that my individual calling will be made manifest in the context of unity and agreement. My calling, my anointing will be maximized or I will be, my, my, I, my, me as an individual, I will come into my fullness in the context of being unified with my brothers and sisters. If I'm out here to make a name for myself, I've met brothers like this. They are trying and, and man, they're gifted people and they are running so hard, so fast, but they're trying to do it all on their own. And they do it for years and years and years. And ultimately, they end up saying, God must have never called me into the ministry. They hang up the towel and they go start selling shoes. And you go, what happened? Well, they chose to do it all on their own and not in the context of unity and agreement. Number four, giving preference to others. Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Meaning, give preference to others. Serve. Lay your life down. Um, here's what I have found. is The most grumpy people are the most self-centered people. I'm grumpy, I'm complainy, I'm whiny. And I, I feel like I deserve something. Someone, someone, someone needs to give me something. And as long as I am the epicenter of my world, as long as it's me, myself, and I, and I'm thinking about what I want and I, what I, I need to get, I will always be miserable. But you'll find that true freedom comes when we actually step out of ourselves and realize I am here to bless other people. And I, as I serve and as I start laying my life down for other people, guess what happens to me? I get liberated because me thinking about myself is an ugly equation. That's why it's, it shows how God has created us that when I start giving my life away, I come alive. You're like, why am I so happy? Because you're giving your life away and your world is no longer about you. If your world is all about you, then you just get, oh, ugly. You're like, ooh, man, he looks ugly today because it's all about me, myself, and I. But if you prefer other people and lay your life down, all of a sudden, your heart is strangely warmed. You're like, what is that? It's called walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So can I implore you, exhort you, encourage you, that if you have a tendency of thinking about yourself and what you can get and what people can do for you, surrender that as quickly as you possibly can by practically serving other people in ways that you would prefer not to, and you will find life. Moving on. 
Number five, encouraging others to walk with Christ. Self-preoccupation is the death of agreement. So there, this is, this is uh, Hebrews 10. It's the exhortation. Some, you know, don't, don't neglect meeting together so, as some do, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And number six is a bond of peace exists where unity exists. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. You see, this is the characteristics of unity. And it is God's heart that we would be a unified people. I'm going to ask worship team, if you guys will come forward this afternoon. I'm looking at the clock. It's afternoon now. I'm going to ask you just a couple questions to consider here. Even before we approach the Lord's table, even before we, we take communion. You see, the greatest gift you'll ever receive is a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus considered himself to come and be a lamb that would be slain for your sin. You know, when we approach the Lord's table, I always tell my church, I said, never let familiarity breed contempt for the Lord's table. Never let familiarity breed complacency to the great sacrifice of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let it call you higher. Let it call you deeper. You see, this last, this morning, we talked about trust. And this afternoon, we're talking about agreement. We're talking about unity. And we're talking about surrendering our own agenda for the sake of the greater good of what God wants to do in Richmond, in the BC area, and further in Taiwan, in Japan, in China. This affects the world. And the effectiveness that will come from Thrive Church will come from the degree that we as individual parts of the symphony realize, I'm done playing the solo. I'm done needing the attention. I don't need my name in the brochure. I just want to be a part in a deeper way of what God is doing through Thrive Church. And that comes through two ways. Number one, it's a death to self. I'm giving it up, Lord. It just comes by saying, I'm giving it up, Lord. I give up my own personal ambitions and what I think for the sake of the greater good. And number two, it's saying yes. On one, in a very simple way, it's saying no and saying yes. So much in the Christian life has to do with saying no to me, myself, and I, my sin nature, and saying yes to God's higher plan in our lives. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Just even stand to your feet if you would. I bless you, Lord. Thank you for inviting us into an eternal reality this afternoon. Thank you for inviting us deeper into unity. Thank you that, that we can come in and realize that I don't need to be the whole. I just need to be a part of the greater thing that you're doing here on earth as it is in heaven. If this is in your heart, would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I give up my independence, my personal rights, my personal entitlements. I surrender my agenda. I surrender my value. I surrender my flesh, all the thoughts of my flesh, all the cravings of my flesh. 
I say no to them now. And I say yes. I yes to your plan. Yes to your ways. Yes to my role in the greater thing that you're doing. In Thrive Church, in Richmond, the greater Vancouver area. I say yes to my role in releasing the influence of God in the international scene. I say I belong. I say I'm needed. And I say yes to you. Feels good to be part of a family. Yeah. Feels good to be a part of a family that I'm needed. So, Father, I bless you. You say, Lord, that where the unity of the brethren exists, it commands the blessing of the Lord. Would you just thrive, church? Just open your hands before the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit of God, breathe fresh wind right now over this church. Holy Spirit of God, may the blessing of the Lord, the oil of heaven now rush into this house and that you would release over our hearts and minds this corporate place that Thrive in Richmond would be renewed, that you would now launch that catapult, that you would launch us into a new day, that based upon the word of our confession that the Spirit of God would now fill this house and the commanded blessing of the Lord would be released right now and show our hearts together at a DNA level that we have never known before. Release the new day. Would you just say this with me? Release the new day over our lives. We say yes to you, Lord. Unify us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of the person on your right and your left, if that's all right. You might, you, you might want to cross an aisle across a road to do so. And I'm going to invite you guys to do this together right now. We're going to pray together that we, not just for the sake of ending this conference, but for everything that God wants to do, the greater things that God wants to do in and through you and me as a church family, as a body of Christ, we're going to pray together that we would be united like never before that we would display all the different characteristics that Pastor Chris has been talking about of a church that is truly united. And I'm gonna ask you to do this right now. Grab the hand of the person on your right and your left. And I'm gonna ask you to pray for Thrive Church. You're gonna pray for yourself that you would be the most united member of Thrive Church that you would be someone who gives preference to others, that you would be someone who says, it's not about me, it's about, what, uh, it's about what God is doing in us and through us. And you're gonna move from the me to the we this coming year, and that God is gonna do greater things through you because you chose to be united with your church family. God is gonna do greater things through us because we chose to be united as a church family. And so come on, with the heart of a leader, once you grab the hand of the person on your right and your left, let's all pray out loud together for Thrive Church. Pray for yourself. Pray for a united year together. Let's all pray loud in this place. We give you praise, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Say the best is yet to come. Holy Spirit, come. Unite us in every single way. We welcome you, Jesus. More of you. More of you, God. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. We give you praise today. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask Pastor Jenna to pray for us right now, if you don't mind. Jesus, we just thank you. Quicken our hearts to remember this isn't just a religious activity. You died for us. This is what we remember soberly and yet we rejoice in the gift of communion. We just thank you for how kind and good and loving you are God and our hearts just yearn to reflect who you are on this planet God I just I pray Father Ephesians 2:22 over this beautiful community in him you are also also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit so Father we ask thank you for the privilege of being children of God Build us together to be a dwelling of your spirit. We ask that you would bless our communion. In Jesus' beautiful, precious, almighty name, amen.